The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 14, A Haunting on Main Street, Part 2. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order, so if this is the first episode you're trying out, stop. Go back, start with Season 1 and our very first episode, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. A couple of quick announcements. December, we are finally going to take a short break. It's much deserved, I believe, and it's a good time to pause and spend time with family and friends for the holidays, so there won't be any episodes released in December. But we will be releasing a special gift for our Night Owl patrons, so if you're currently supporting us through our Patreon page, stay tuned for a special holiday present during our break. If you're not a patron but you would like to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron now and gain access to all the exclusive extras for the show, including our special holiday present we'll be releasing to patrons in December. Just go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash the Night Owl Podcast, and become a Night Owl patron tonight. Also, I know I announced we were having our campfire episode starting in early November. However, we had to put a slight hold on this. But don't worry, it won't be long. When we come back from our break in December, we'll roll out our first campfire episode on January 14th, then kick off a new investigative series on January 28th. From this point on, we'll be releasing campfire episodes regularly on the second Monday of each month, and our usual investigative episodes on the last Monday of every month. Lastly, I caught a terrible cold, so during this episode you're probably going to hear my voice go in and out, and also sound worse than it usually does on most episodes, so please bear with me, and we'll get through this. I might even actually limit my narration in this episode, so if it feels like it's a slightly different episode with less narration, you'll now know why. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, please send an email to thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, we'll look deeper into the experiences you heard the staff and patrons recount at Old Town Buda Antique Mall in episode 13. Now, come along with us as Sarah puts her ability to the test in a building full of objects with unique histories. The team and I have our very own personal experiences. I reach out to the paranormal investigators who investigated this building in the past, who share their experiences and evidence with me. And lastly, I navigate the many reports and findings to make some very interesting connections that might just validate some of the activity experienced at this little shop in Buda, Texas. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. At Oh Boy, they've made customer satisfaction and quality their top priorities. Their aim is to supply you with quality products that meet your every need, specializing in custom screen printing for organizations, clothing companies, schools, businesses, and even events. Big or small, Oh Boy is here to help. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs, and always delivered on time. Ohboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. And mention the Night Owl podcast and get 5% off your first order. This episode is also brought to you by the Spider House Cafe, an Austin staple founded in 1995. The Spider House offers an array of specialty coffee and cocktail drinks, craft beer, and foods. The ballroom is host to events seven nights a week, and as you should know from season one, this coffee house and its grounds are swimming with paranormal activity. But what you might not know is that the Spider House has crafted a very special haunted drink offering in honor of the Night Owl podcast. Espresso, sweetened condensed milk, and a hefty shot of bourbon all poured over a tall glass of ice. So come visit this haunted coffee shop and be sure to grab a haunted drink while you're at it. Ask for the Night Owl at the bar, because just like the Spider House, It has spirits in it. Since acquiring the building in 2012, owner Jeff, along with his staff, patrons, and neighboring shopkeepers, had recounted a hefty number of strange occurrences and sightings at Old Town Buda Antique Mall. We heard of objects oddly moving in the night, items being thrown or broken, the smell of rose perfume appearing and disappearing throughout the building, cold spots appearing everywhere, patrons reporting an uneasy feeling immediately upon reaching the second floor, then manifestations on the security cameras and in the windows at night. 
with various paranormal investigative teams coming through, Jeff pieced together through their various findings that he had a female by the name of Judith residing in the building, and a man by the name of Nathan who he believed to be Judith's brother, both of whom he believed were strongly present on the second floor. Jeff also attributed the rose perfume smell to the spirit he called Judith, whom he admitted feeling a stronger connection to overall. Upon completing my interviews, I wanted Jeff to walk me through the shop to show me where many of these reports occurred. We began on the first floor in the far back left corner of the okay. shop. Okay, it was a downstairs apartment. And lived here for 32 years. About a year and a half ago, she found a little house on the edge of town. Concluded that it was better for all this to be retail. They get some whispering in the back back here, and it's a male presence. We're standing in what was once an apartment up until a few years ago, when Jeff actually acquired this space along with the upstairs above it to build upon the shop. Jeff had briefly mentioned some male voices being heard the last time I talked to him, but now, in this space, he was confirming that this is where people hear the male presence whispering or talking. We moved out of the first floor left wing and into the cash register area, which is on the right wing of the store, near the front entrance. In this location, Jeff explains is where customer Ron had his hat knocked off, the cold spots are commonly felt, and also where the misty figure was caught on his surveillance system. We moved up quickly to the second floor, so Jeff could show me around up there. Right here at the top of the stairs, there's this little inset you see. That was actually an old bathroom and had a clawfoot tub in it, the original hardwood floor, and this is kind of where Nathan has had the most activity. Um, so right here at the banister and around this corner in this room is where Nathan has had the most communication with us. Just like the downstairs, the second floor is divided in half, the left wing and the right wing of the building. Where we are now is the right wing, which is where the staircase takes you directly. You actually end up on the far very back right of the shop. If you make your way back to the front end of the shop on the second floor, you'll come to a step-down entrance to the second floor left wing. Here is where Jeff admits he believes the female spirit he calls Judith resides. And then this is the room that Judith hangs out mostly in, is this one in here. And Nathan is only here because she is here because that's her brother. Alexis and Franklin had arrived and we wanted to spend a little extra time in the shop after dark with Jeff to see if there were any rational explanations for some of these sightings or feelings commonly reported here. We also wanted to see if we could experience anything ourselves. Okay, we're upstairs on the second floor with the owner, Jeff. Alexis and I are up here. The music you're hearing is coming from the next door cigar vault, which has live music, so... There's not going to be complete, uncontaminated audio here. So what we're going to do is we're going to attempt to reach out to a woman spirit that he believes is the name of Judith. So Judith, you know me, it's Jeff, and I have friends here. You should be used to this by now. They're just here to say hello. It's okay for you to make yourself known around them. Judith, if that's your name, my name is Steven. This is my friend Alexis. We're just here to try to see if you can communicate with us in any way and let us know you're here and if there's anything you need or want. Did you hear something, Alexis? Yeah. Okay. Did you hear it in there? It sounded like it was coming from over there. Judith, if that's you making your way out of the room back there, you can come down here. We're not going to hurt you. You don't have to be afraid. We were standing in the second floor left wing facing the back storage room when we heard some noises coming from inside. So Alexis, Jeff, and I stepped in to see if anything would happen. And we started to smell something. Smell anything? You smell. Oh yeah. F like floral. Very faint. Mm-hmm. I do smell that. And this way or this way? Mm-hmm. Straight back. See if you smell anything. We're in the back closet area on the second floor and we keep smelling floral scents. Sweet smells. She just dissipates just as quick as she comes and then she'll be in another place. Yeah. Yeah, it is gone now. Yeah. But it was right here, right? Yeah, it was right here and it, kept, it went this way and then went back. Okay. Well, I did smell that several times. Mm -hmm. Overall, the place had no significant EMF readings, so the team and I felt that there wasn't really anything there that could rationally explain away these strange feelings and sightings that were being reported. 
We were there a couple of hours, and I, along with many others, experienced that floral scent concentrated on the second floor left quadrant. We also encountered several cold spots in this area, and also at the top of the stairs where the male spirit of Nathan is said to make himself known. Alexis kept reporting that he felt strange in this area, as did a few other guests who were present with us that night. We didn't experience anything substantial, but it was enough to pique my interest in what these paranormal teams that Jeff had had in the past possibly captured or experienced themselves. So I did my best to track down members of two different groups, and to my surprise, I found a couple of people willing to share their experiences. Uh, my name is Karen, and I'm the founder of Godhams Paranormal. I have a friend who also is in a ghost group in Austin, Texas, and she lives in Buda. And she contacted me about investigating the Buda Antique Mall. Her and another member in her group, and then myself and one member of my group, went to go investigate the Antique Mall back in 2012, I believe, or 13. We met Jeff there, and he told us of, you know, having feelings of spirits in there and feeling cold spots. So we did our little walkthrough, and as far as personal experiences there, I didn't get too much, but I captured lots of EVPs. We had a really good dowsing rod session, which connected a little girl that was attached to an armoire in the antique mall. She was a friendly spirit, so I think when they we went back the second time, she left with that item. We captured a male spirit upstairs, a female spirit upstairs, and I believe another female we, that the voice was unintelligible on the recorder, but in my opinion, it was it was kind of creepy. It was before the third floor was available to us, so we only had the second level. We did not hear it until I listened back on the recorder, but we heard a noise. There's a lot of boxes, and we heard a noise somewhere in the boxes, and we couldn't tell where it came from. But at that point on the recording is where we heard that voice. But we did capture the name Judas. I caught some orb. I know a lot of people are iffy on the orb subject, but I do believe in spirit orbs. Captured some pretty remarkable orbs, and I captured one right at the point where I captured the name Judas downstairs in the main in the main room. When I asked, is there anybody here? Can you tell me your name? And I got the name Judas. And as I was taking pictures and reviewed them, um, pretty spectacular um, orbs in my opinion. But it was overall a very good visit. Hello, my name is Rory Brandau, and uh, I'm on a team that I started called Phantasma Texas. We're based out of San Antonio. My wife and I have been doing this for about a decade, and it used to just start by watching shows, reading books, and uh, we used to go to concerts and travel all over the U.S., and we started staying at haunted hotels, and that's what really got us into the paranormal, actually. One day we were doing some research and we found out that Buda had a pretty active antique store. It was once a theater about a hundred years ago. So we got a hold of Jeff and he, he got back to us right away and we set something up. We showed up and I remember he wasn't there the day that we wanted to investigate. He had actually forgotten, but uh, the employees were telling us little stories here and there and stuff with the cigar store next door were telling us uh, things that they've seen in the windows and, uh, so once Jeff showed up, he walked us around and was, and I told him not to tell us too much stuff, but he brought up, you know, spirits that he's heard of named Judith. So we took that in consideration, but we tried to go in blindly, you know, to investigate. And we started setting up, and I remember uh, feeling something around there, and I remember I even during that moment, I would have to bring up that I actually caught an EVP of a woman saying, what are you taking as I'm in there by myself, turning off lights and unplugging things? I think they were kind of weary at the time what was going on. You know, maybe they weren't used to teens being in there, but I think the lady thought I was actually robbing them or something or stealing something. So we split up. We had my sister, Skylar, and her husband, Dave, and then Faith, my wife, and myself, we were downstairs while Skylar was upstairs. And we were walking around asking questions. Nothing was really happening. It was actually a pretty quiet night. And I remember we could hear outside next door, everybody was drinking and laughing. So we were waiting for them to leave. But 
we continued to ask questions. One thing I knew for sure was this place had a lot of vertigo moments, what we call. I know the places around the store, like up at the top of the stairs, there's definitely someone up there. Uh, I could feel uh, the dizziness. You know, you almost topple over. And then as well, there's another part that I think where someone hangs around, and that's a back room up in the second floor towards the back that's not open to the public, actually. It was always at the top of the stairs. You know, every time you would walk up, if you stood there for a little bit or you were going to turn to, you know, explore the second floor, it's like there was always something right there that you could just feel, like a high energy. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people could ignore, you know, not just because we're sensitive and empaths, like everybody in the group was experiencing stuff at the top of the stairs. So when you brought up about how Jeff was saying there's something up there, yeah, I think there definitely is right at the top of the stairs. I did have, I like I said, we don't, we didn't get very many males speaking here. But the couple times I did, it was really weird. One, it was actually when I was downstairs, I was on the left side again, over by the cases, and a male had said, start recording Rory like something was going to happen. And I was already recording anyways, but it was something like that where he said, start recording, Roy. And I recorded, you know, from then on. And right after that moment, there was knocking that was happening around us right during that moment. The couple times that I actually got a male EVP, the start recording, I had two other EVPs. One was while I was walking downstairs, a male goes, take your clothes. He said that, and then about 30 minutes later, the same guy comes through and says, don't lose signal, please. I found something. And then a few minutes after that, the same male comes through and says, I was dead. It almost sounds like a grumbly male. It almost sounds like he's not too happy, but he's not saying anything that's me. So we were all upstairs, right? We heard something downstairs. Prior to this, I was sitting on the floor in that area, in hopes that someone would come to me if I was by myself while everyone was upstairs. Not much happened, so I went upstairs to join the group. There was a sound downstairs. We ran down, and you know what we found? The Pez cabinet was unlocked and opened. That was the one surprising thing. Like, it was fully open, and I know it was locked because I was looking at the Pez inside. And later in the night, the case was completely open, and we're like, Jeff, did you do this? And he's like, I've been with you guys. I was very happy when Jeff called me back because they were experiencing more things years later when they opened up that third level. So we went back uh, last year. He told me of more things being moved, smelling a rose smell, which he believed could have been Judas. And at first, my colleagues, they smelled it right away, the third level, the rose. I said, I don't smell anything. And I think because I said that, Judas put the rose smell right on me because I was all skeptical. I said, I don't smell it. And then I smelled it. She just wafted it right in my face. And then I said, okay, now I smell it. Okay, I believe you now. We did a pendulum session upstairs. I use a pendulum a lot for communication. Um, I find that the spirits like to use that and dowsing rods a lot. I don't get a lot of action with K2 meters, not too much with ghost boxes and things like that. That really takes a ton of energy, in my opinion, but the pendulum and dowsing rods work really well. Got some activity on the pendulum. We did, like, yes and no questions. We were talking to Nathan upstairs, and that was on the third level, too. When we were all downstairs on the uh, main level, that's Jeff, myself, my two colleagues and John, I believe, were, we, we were all downstairs and we heard a bang on the second level and um, kind of like something fell to the ground or was knocked over. So a couple of us went upstairs to check it out and there was absolutely nothing there. Nothing out of place, nothing obvious that fell off a table or knocked over. So we don't know what that was. So a couple of things, you know, experiences like that, but I usually really, really good at capturing EVPs, and that's usually my specialty, and that's usually what I capture more than having personal experiences. Karen and Rory were each kind enough to share some of the EVPs that they still had access to from their cases. Karen also shared some photographs with me that I'll have up on this episode's blog on the website. 
I don't like to play EVPs on the podcast because they're always rough quality and they're very hard to decipher, but I'll include some of them here just because, to a degree, they validate some of the interesting facts that surround this case. First up, I'll play a string of EVPs from Karen with God Hunt Paranormal's first investigation. Here's the female voice that they captured downstairs saying the name Judith. I'll play that once more, but isolate the EVP. Next is an EVP of a voice that they believe was saying, I want those. This EVP was captured right at the top of the stairs on the second floor. Let me put this right here. I want those. One more time, but enhanced. Next is a strange female voice that they captured on the second floor as well. Listen for the indecipherable words loudly mumbled between Karen and her male team member talking. What is it that it's pointing at? Can you tell? Uh-huh. I can't make out what the voice is saying either, but it seems louder than the other EVPs and female in my opinion. One more time, isolated and enhanced. Last one from Karen was recorded downstairs in the front room of the shop. Listen to a whispering that you'll hear between Karen and her team member talking. Again, I can't make out what it's saying here, but let's isolate it and enhance it. Rory's investigation was much more recent. He actually investigated the antique shop this past June. Here's a couple of his EVP capturings. Rory couldn't recall where this first clip was captured, but he believes this to be a male voice saying, What are you doing? Let's hear it again. Now isolated. The last EVP is tough to hear because of the noise, but it starts off with Jeff speaking. Then you'll hear a whispering EVP, followed by Rory saying that he felt something. Rory believes that this EVP is saying, Take your clothes or take a closer look. Let's give it a listen. Well, I felt like my left sleeve move. One more time. Well, I felt like my left sleeve move. Now here's it isolated and repeated. It seems like the stories and experiences surrounding this antique shop extend beyond its walls and beyond Main Street. Hearing that two different paranormal groups captured EVPs and had their own personal experiences had me interested in what was really happening at this shop. When we come back from this short break, we'll bring Sarah to Old Town Buda Antique Mall, completely unaware of where she's coming and what stories surround this building. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by the Spider House Cafe and Ballroom. If you've listened to the show, you probably already know that this unique Austin coffee house is rich with stories of the supernatural. So it should go without saying, I'm ecstatic to have them as one of our sponsors this year. Since 1995, the Spider House has been serving an assortment of specialty coffee drinks and cocktails, fine crafted beer, and delicious food and snacks. It has a carnivalesque patio decorated with Christmas lights, junkyard grabs, and thrift store finds, which harbors a variety of food trucks and one very haunted tattoo shop, as most of you should know from season one of the show. Around the corner, the Spider House Ballroom hosts events seven nights a week, ranging from slam poetry and independent film screenings to live music and storytelling events. I'm so excited to have this magical coffee house as a sponsor, and even more excited that the Spider House has created a very special night out drink for us. Four shots of espresso, sweetened condensed milk, and a hefty shot of bourbon poured over a tall glass of ice. This haunted drink is sure to lift your spirits. So if you're in Austin or traveling from out of town, get on over to the Spider House, order a night owl, soak in all this magnificent space has to offer, and just maybe you'll catch a glimpse of the many spirits that haunt the Spider House grounds. This episode is also brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. If you're looking for a custom t-shirt print shop, local to Austin or to deliver wherever you are, Oh Boy Print Shop is the place to go. I personally shopped around to find the best place to go to with our Night Owl podcast t-shirt needs, and hands down, this local, family-owned print shop is the best. Jim, 
co-owner of the shop, was the first person I met when I walked in to check out the place, and he made my visit such a welcoming and pleasant experience. At Oh Boy, customer satisfaction is their top priority, and it shows in every aspect of their work, not just their friendly staff. The quality of their work and craftsmanship is superior as well. I took a tour of their facility and learned pretty quickly that quality matters here. There were no setup fees, no hidden costs, and the prices were some of the most affordable in town. I love that I found my go-to print shop, and I hope that you reach out to them for your print needs as well. Check out ohboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. And mention the Night Owl Podcast to get 5% off your first order. On the night of September 8th, Sarah arrived and was texting me trying to figure out where I was. I had kept the address from her as to keep her in the dark of everything and gave her the address to the cigar vault next door instead. It had started to rain, so I ducked out onto the sidewalk to greet her and Renee crossing Main Street. I pointed to the antique shop and studied her reaction as she lowered her umbrella and approached the glass doors. I had completely forgotten that this place was overflowing with objects from the past, items that each had unique histories. Some may be numerous histories with various owners. I hadn't really thought about how, if all this stuff is real, the energy coming off of everything in this shop might look or feel to her, and I was seeing a look of concern in her face already. We pushed through the doors to get out of the rain, and Sarah took it all in for a moment in the front entranceway. Soon, Sarah came and asked if we could make our way upstairs. You go up? You're going to go up right now? Yeah. Okay. I just need to get a feel for what Okay. Got it. Sarah didn't say much, just slowly walked the second floor. The building was dark, only dimly lit by lamps Jeff had left on in scattered vendor stations throughout the building. When Sarah made it to the left side of the second floor, she told me she saw a woman. She's going to tell me this is her space here. Okay. Here along the back. So if you're here, you'll usually feel maybe somebody's there, always. If you sit in here, you'll see her in the windows we're walking through, walking through, she likes to walk through here. This was the first thing that Sarah was reporting. A woman who likes to walk through the left side of the second floor and noted that people would see her in the windows and feel her presence. I wanted her to keep going, but she immediately was picking up on a male presence on the right side of the second floor now, where we had just come from. Older man, really big ears. He's more... Like a touch or a guide. Um, lost, lost things. He finds things, new owners. That's what he likes to do. I had furniture just like this. He was just reminding me that I had furniture just like that. She touched on a male presence mostly hanging out at the top of the stairs on the right side of the second floor. She kept saying he was guiding and pointing out things that she used to have growing up things that she recognized. She even got a little annoyed by it because he kept doing it so often. But she was pulled back to the left wing and the woman's spirit she had initially picked up on. It's it's the woman, the woman that's back. She comes here. This is really her space, all of it, most of it. And then there's that man, very tall, slender, kind of like homeless looking, ratty hair, uh, beard, uh, long, kind of a little disheveled. If you see him, if you don't see him, it's just going to be a very tall shadow. He's the person that tells you, helps you find stuff. He'll make you look at the things that you need. He finds the objects homes. Okay, we're back downstairs. There's a kid riding around here through, but I, I think he's a passerby, not a... We made our way downstairs, and Sarah noted seeing a kid, but thought it was something just possibly passing through. She was drawn to the back left corner of the first floor now. Okay, this one's more man. Where is it? Um, what are they showing you? Like a, a tea, tea kettle? This one's more military kind of, or maybe he was ex-military. He's very, um, everything is buttoned correctly. Everything's very carefully placed. And the, the, the kettle belonged to his wife or at their home. I'm seeing woman in himself, but he roams through here, I guess, feeling nostalgic. There's a lot of things here that in that time period, I guess. He'll sit here, he'll stand there, he walks like this is, it feels like this is all his space. The other one, from a, who still won't give me his name, is the one that helps people find stuff, which is funny because he points things out, and 
this one doesn't help you find anything. He's more like a little lost, maybe. He's more vocal, so you he would be the one that talks. After a while, Sarah wanted to return upstairs to the area she had sensed the strong female presence. But when we got to the landing of the second floor, she stopped again because of a strange feeling she was getting. Why does this feel so uncomfortable here? The guy that finds things. Are you going to give me a name at some point, please? She's really good at this job. I'm, I think people leave here with what they really want or what they think they want. Mostly he's up here telling people, buy this, buy that. He's selective. And he kind of knows what they what they like? What they what? want, what they like. He gives them things that remind them of when they were younger, or and it's so usually a good memory. My mind was thinking back to all the uneasy feelings people reported right where we were standing. The exact spot Sarah had just asked the question, why does this feel so uncomfortable here? I had two trains of thought. She was picking up on the feelings that others have had in this very spot, or perhaps this male presence who seemed to be concentrated in this area simply created an uncomfortable feeling many could actually feel. I definitely could not feel it, but it's strange how Sarah, Alexis, and all the patrons that reported it on a regular basis did. However, Sarah was now being pulled back to the female spirit section on the left side of the second floor, and for the first time tonight, she was getting a name. Eva? Eve? Either. So Eve's preference is change the music. And she'd like you to say good morning when you come in. Please. I like this one. She's very, uh, <laughs> she's like, I just want him to acknowledge that I'm here. Say good morning. She's more of a safe, more of a safekeeper. I think that's what, you know how I told you that that kid's running around? here somewhere. So she's more your, um, the other spirits, the things that you bring in. Because there's things you bring in when you bring in objects like these. She's the one that kind of makes them calm down. I guess the most activity you have must be up here. Because she's showing me lots of things like if people are going to touch something, she doesn't want them to. She makes sure that doesn't happen. Or if there are spirits that are calling out, um, I don't know how to explain this. Objects, if there's an object and they really just want out they will like almost trick the person into buying them. And so she and they kind of keep everything kind of balanced. They kind of work together. So she makes sure that the spirits are tempered down so that you, you can work in this space. And he makes sure that the right object goes with the right people. And the guy downstairs is just looking for the, the teapot. So it must have gotten sold or something and that's what he's wandering around here for. But I kind of explained it. This was a store. In his head, he kept seeing it like a house or a, a plate, like a, you know, I don't know. It, in his brain, it was like a house. So I explained, no, this is like a store. This is not something. Oh, so he's kind of, and he's going to have to have that sink in for a little bit. This is her favorite spot right here. So maybe you'll open the door, and sometimes you'll see her move away from the light. Or when you're in here, she's in here with you, so you always feel like somebody's there. Like a, and maybe you'll look over your shoulder. If you turn something off and you walk over here, you'll look back and be like, what was that? That's her, more than likely. But this is the spot she roams around in. So they are mostly upstairs, but they'll go down every now and then if they need to. It's almost like they just wait to see if something, what comes in, who comes in and it'll decide whether they go down or up. Okay, windows, if you're there, you'll see her pass by the window. So if you're, is there, there's a, something right there, right? Like a seating area. If you look up into the windows, more than likely you'll see her looking back down at you. Um, she uses these windows, she uses these out here. So if you get a phone call, security, hey, there's somebody up there in the upstairs. It's her running around. There's a lot of information to absorb now, but don't worry, I'm going to come back to it all before it's all said and done. But let's remember, Jeff had admitted feeling the spirit he believed to be named Judith's presence here in this section of the building the most. And even more interesting, these very windows that Sarah keeps referring to are the windows that Brian witnessed the figure in one night taking the trash out at the cigar vault, and also where his patrons on the patio report seeing shadows and lights go off and on. As we moved on, back to the right side of the second floor, 
Sarah stopped us because she was seeing something strange in one of the booths in the bottom right side of the second floor. Do you see that? It's a little black orb right there. No? Just underneath that light, do you see the, the light fixtures? The ones up yes. there? Yeah. You see something? Just underneath between the light fixture and the wall, there's a black orb. No, I don't see it. It's crazy. We're taking pictures, though. What is that? That's what I'm asking Eve right now. Tell to an object. He's tied to an object. Closer, uh, Franklin, further down. Down, down. Somewhere floating in between there. You're actually, like, beaming through it. Is there any fluctuation at all, Franklin? No. What does this do? Is it, it's tied to... She thinks it's tied to an object. But it's been there for a while. She pointed that out. She's like, look over there. Okay. I will look over there. It, yeah. No, it's disip, uh, dissipating now. Okay. So she's explaining to me that those are the things that she tries to keep safe, or she tries to keep safe from that, people safe from that. She has a feel like an old teacher or an old, uh, like a librarian. That's the feel I have from her. And then there's, in that, walking up those stairs is really weird. I just haven't figured out why it feels weird to walk up those stairs, like right in that little spot. I then asked Sarah if she felt that Eve was tied to any objects in the building, or if she felt she was tied to the building itself. It could have, that they brought her in with something. And then she just liked the place or the people. That happens. Yeah. But there's nothing that I can see that it's like something that she's tied to now. It's just her space. They're not tethered to anything, which is I thought was a little odd. I was expecting to see them tethered to something or tied to something, and there's nothing. I think they just like being here. This this is came in with something and they stayed. But the year difference is different. Like the age. Not the age, but the years that they were born was very different. So she's told kind of like in her 20s, because I said pick an age that you like. So like in her 20s, it was like 19, oh, she fluctuated between 01 and 02, 01 and 02. I think that was because it was maybe one of a time in her life that she really liked. So she's going through that. So that was in her 20s, which means she was born somewhere in the 1800s, end of the 1800s. He's more hippie, kind of late 60s, 70s type age. That's where he's at. Because to me, he seems like he's the same age as the man downstairs, but a little younger, like a few years younger. So they're almost the same age group. She likes the music, but she would like to hear a little, maybe every now and then some classical, I'm thinking like I'm hearing pianos and uh, soft melodies. I'm thinking something you would listen to when you're drinking tea. That's the pictures I'm getting from her. And the good mornings. She's wanting. She's been wanting to talk to you, but hasn't been able to reach you because you can't see her. So she's like, tell him I, you know, tell him to come in and say good morning. Or it's me when you're leaving. It's her that you're going back to look at. It's just her telling you everything's okay. You can go. Sarah wanted to go upstairs once more to try to get more information from the male spirit she saw on the second floor. Again, she was hit by an uncomfortable feeling she wanted to try to articulate this time. What are you sensing? You're saying it feels weird up here? Yeah. Let me see if I can find whatever it is that's doing that. It's like a... It's, it just feels weird. Like, a, have you ever walked into somebody's house and you know you're not supposed to be there? Like, maybe you were surprising them and something like that energy, like, ooh, something bad must have just happened. Like, maybe they all got into a fight right now or something and you're not supposed to be there and you don't feel very welcome, that's the feeling. It's just a feeling and I can't really figure out why. If it's tied to an object, if it's just the space, or Craig. It's a C or a G. Craig or Greg. That's what you're getting for the mail? This is the, uh, my homeless guy. I call him homeless, I'm sorry. I know you're probably not, but that's what you look like, dude. You've got a beard and a... You kind of look like Steven. <laughs> Thanks, I look homeless. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just messing with you. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Our investigation was coming to an end, but there was something about this case that felt different than all the others. Sarah felt like these entities were simply just passing through. Some may have chosen to stay longer than others, but overall, nothing seemed to be tied to the building or the property itself. And unlike the other cases, these entities didn't have complex stories or messages that they were trying to get across to us. It honestly felt strange wrapping up a case like this so shortly and without more elaborate findings. However, I couldn't deny that Sarah had hit some pretty solid marks here. In that bottom left corner of the store, where Jeff and the others had reported hearing a male voice, was exactly where Sarah exclaimed that this was the only vocal spirit in the shop. Then, she hit on the uneasy feelings upstairs on the second floor, as well as the male presence on the right side and the strong female presence on the left side. Not to mention, she even pointed out the very windows that the folks at the cigar vault had had sightings in. But one thing that bothered me was the fact that the names differed greatly from what Jeff and the paranormal teams had adopted for the strong male and female presences in the building. They'd believed them to be Judith and Nathan, and that they were siblings. However, what Sarah was relating to us presently was that they were from different time periods and had no relation to one another, but in death, they somehow have become partners in protecting this space, predominantly the second floor. The names that Sarah was getting were Eve or Eva and Craig or Greg. I wanted to gain more clarity on how the original names of Judith and Nathan were discovered, so I reached back out to Karen and Rory, the two different investigators, to see if I could gain more insight on this. When I asked Karen from God Haunts about the name Judith, she told me something interesting about her second investigation that she did recently, just a couple years back at Old Town Buda Antique Mall. When I asked if Judith was still there when we did the pendulum session, like when you first walk in the store and you go to your left, there's that little room. We did our session there. I do not think Judith was there anymore. I think she was connected to an item and she left. So the rose smell, we assumed in the beginning, was Judith. And when by the time we did the pendulum session downstairs, that was towards the end of the night. And that's when we found out, no, Judith isn't here anymore. Now, Nathan, I only got that name with my pendulum chart. I have them try to spell out their name. And so they just spelled out Nathan. Now, a lot of the times, I don't get names 100%. That's the name I got. But, you know, I'm not and don't claim to be psychic. I just have a spirit guide who communicates with the spirits. And they, he tells me through pendulums and dowsing rods. And if I have questions, he does that for me. But as far as names, Nathan doesn't make sense. You know, I'm not surprised. But there was definitely a prominent male on that third floor. We did get Nathan one time. It, I remember I was just about to turn off my recorder and go somewhere else. And it was literally the second before I turned it off. A female said Nathan. But the funny thing is, every time we, you know, approached Judith in quotes, you know, hey, Judith, why are you still here? I asked the question twice in about 30 seconds. Whoever answered for this, it being Judith or not, she says, I don't know. And then I asked it again a little bit later, and she goes, I really don't know why. When I was asking, why are you still here? But the funny thing was, a little bit later, when we were doing Spirit Box, we kept getting Edith, 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 Edith. And we were like, yeah, that's, maybe that's what they're confusing Judith with. It's impossible to know the entire truth when it comes to matters like this. The paranormal is a field riddled with doubts and uncertainties and inconsistencies. But I had to try to put my detective hat on, just for a bit, to work out some of these lingering questions in my mind. First off, I had a theory that Judith may have been an entity that was present when Jeff first purchased the shop. Perhaps she was tied to an object there at the time, and when Karen and her group came, they captured the EVP with her saying her name. This led Jeff to attribute all the activity to her, past and present. But when I asked Jeff about the sewing tin and the rose smell that he attributed to her, he actually admitted that the rose smell didn't begin until he acquired the new first and second floor units that were once in an apartment, which was just a few years ago. It just so happens that Jeff also acquired a buy that contained the sewing kit around then as well. So perhaps this female presence that Jeff feels a strong connection with isn't Judith. Perhaps it's a new entity that we have not gotten the name for. Perhaps the names that Sarah were getting could be correct. As for Nathan, I was most intrigued to find out how his name had come about through the various investigations. As you heard, Karen mentioned that she had obtained the name through a pendulum session on the third floor on her most recent visit. 
Rory had only heard the name whispered by a female voice on an EVP during his visit back in June. So based on this information, I can't conclude what this name is tied to really, but we never had access to the third floor of the building. So there very well may be more entities in this place, and the name Nathan may be attributed to one that resides on the third floor perhaps. One really can't say for certain. But I was fascinated with Sarah's notes on how the male presence she saw on the second floor was really adamant about helping people find objects they'd remember or want to purchase. If you recall from the previous episode, there was actually a customer I featured who reported feeling a heaviness on the second floor. His name was Jarrell, and he told me about that experience which I shared with you. But off the record, we had been chatting and I recall him telling me he found something from his childhood and he bought it at the shop. I was now curious to know. What did he find, and where did he find it exactly in the shop? Well, we went for a walk on Main Street, and we said, hey, let's stop at that uh, antique shop. So we walked in, looked around downstairs, we went upstairs, and then uh, I saw that, that little monkey sitting in, uh, in a wagon. And I said, hey, look, love, this is that monkey that used to scare me when I was a kid. I said, when we were little, my mom had that monkey in, uh, in the spare bedroom. It was right at the top of the stairs, just like slightly to the left, there was a wagon, and it was that much right at the top of the stairs. Quite often, people will come in and they'll say, I see so many things that remind me of my childhood, and then they will come down with something. Oh, I found this. It was tucked away, you know, and that's when I often say, oh, well, it was waiting for you. And, you know, I'll kind of blow it off as that, you know, just joking. I had one lady one day come by, and she said she was very in tuned with different energies. And she said, I'm looking for a brass bell, and I know it's here. I just drove by. I circled the, the block to come in. If she parked, she said, I'm looking for this brass bell, and I know it's in this front room somewhere. And I was looking at her like she was totally nuts. And I said, well, let me help you look for it. I said, I, I don't know what exactly you're looking for. She said, you know, the old Catholic school bell type bells and I I looked at her and I said I don't know that we have anything like that and she said yes you do and she just kind of closed her eyes and she was walking around and I was thinking oh she's going to run into something and hurt herself but she walked around and she went right to this bell that I had no idea that we had it was kind of under a table you know I looked at her and I said how in the world did you find that she said I'm very in tune with energies And she said, this bell is calling to me, and I knew I had to come and get it. And she paid for it, and she left, and didn't look at the rest of the store, nothing. She came in specifically for that bell. I have no idea how to explain that. Before ending the night, I had wanted to sit Sarah down to lay out everything that she might have not fully articulated to either me or Jeff. She began by talking about some general things that she noticed might happen in the shop, pertaining to objects moving and falling which had actually been a common report from both Jeff and co-worker Jeannie. Uh, and it'll be like things fall off of the walls a lot. You can't seem to keep them up high. Or you thought you put something somewhere. When you go back to show somebody, it's not there, it's somewhere else. That happens a lot here because it's the, it's the ghosts that are tied to the object itself. Like maybe it doesn't want to go with them. Like the person saw it and the object suddenly moves. They don't want to go with that person. So just keep those things in mind. When you're putting, you know, showing people, oh yeah, it's over here or it's over there. If it's not where you know it's supposed to be, they don't want to go with them. Um, let's start from the back of the building forward. So this gentleman's more, he's an older gentleman. Out of all of them, he's your vocal one. So uh, moving up the stairs, the two main spirits is what I want to say. I'm going to say at least two. I'm going to say those two main spirits that are up there, Craig or Greg. I don't know what his name would be. But he's the one that helps people find the objects that they're looking for, even if they're not looking for them, right? So he also points you to things that for some reason are very personal to you. So you'll go up and you'll, all of a sudden you'll just, your eye will drift on something and you go, oh, I had that when I was a kid, or I know that this was there, or, or I'm really looking for that. He'll guide you through the building. He likes to make sure that the right object leaves with the right person. Eve is I think your overall protective spirit. I think she's actually travels a little bit more than I think she than she kind of lets on. Mostly her area is upstairs. Like that's her territory. She works well with him. They have like a nice little balance. But she keeps your 
spirits kind of where they need to be. She's not tied to any object that I can see upstairs. I think she came in with something and just never left. Very fond of Jeff. She's very fond of Jeff. And her messaging was more like, please tell me good morning when you get in. Please change that style of music. She's <laughs> pretty like a, something softer, right? A little more me. So that kind of thing, just give her a little bit of a different feeling every now and then. So I guess she just misses that. But the greetings were very important. And she, very, very good to tell you she's, she's there. She's taking care of everything. But she likes to just kind of keep an eye out, keep everything in check. That's just who she is. Well, I will <clears throat> say that she got the three main areas where there are spirits that we talked about. Back here, people have reported hearing whispers. That's the only place that we've heard, you know, someone saying things out loud without a ghost box. Upstairs, at the top of the stairs and around that corner in that room where she was talking about the guy that is more hippie-like. That's the other location that we get a lot of people saying that there's something there. Also, the other paranormal groups picked up something there. Around the corner, we were told her name was Judith by someone else, but that is the main area, and she is the one that keeps everything together. We already knew that. And we knew that she had some connection to the guy in the next room, and there have been reports of people seeing someone walking past the window upstairs in the front window that you pointed to. And there's been reports of people seeing lights go on and off while they're sitting out there. But it's kind of amazing to me that she got the exact three locations in the store, 5,000 square foot store, that people have said, this is what you have here. It's a man whispering that was in the most vocal spot that she said there is a man upstairs in this area and she said it was a man and then the area next over and in the back is where the woman and the rose perfume is always smelled and we were told by other groups that she was the guide she was the one that keeps things together in the store so that's pretty amazing because it is a woman we were told um, by everybody that's been before I'd made a few connections that Jeff hadn't quite caught yet, so I wanted to bring them to his attention because they were quite interesting. The male spirit that Sarah had interacted with in the back left corner of the first floor, the one who whispers and talks, she claimed, had kept suggesting to Sarah that the space he was in was a house. Sarah spoke about this earlier, if you can recall. But I kind of explained it. This was a store in his head. He kept seeing it like a house or a... In his brain, it was like a house. But you see, I hadn't revealed to Sarah that this space was the most recent addition Jeff took over and that it was previously in an apartment. So I took this space over about two years ago and it used to be an apartment up until that point. I wondered if somehow the spirit was around in this space when it actually was living quarters and maybe had a living occupant. And now he was wondering what had happened. Another thing I wanted Jeff to note was how Sarah said on numerous occasions how Eve did not like the music, and also wanted Jeff to say good morning to her. I didn't know if Jeff realized this, but Sarah had no way of knowing that he left the music on for them after closing, and that he, on a regular basis, said good night to them. I myself wasn't even sure if he said good morning to them as well, so I was curious. So I always leave the music station on 95.5 because... It's a slow, modern station, and we, we get a lot of compliments on it. But I can see from her age group, it's too much because she's probably more like used to parlor-sitting music, which we don't have on that station. But another thing that really stuck out to me is that she would like to be told good morning when I come in. I do say good night every night, but I have never said good morning. But I always say good night. Um, and I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good evening. And I leave the radios on for them overnight. But not once have I ever said good morning when I walk in the door. The one that we we assume was named Judith, that's the one that has vocally said to other groups that she likes what I'm doing. She likes me in the store. You know, she, she just likes everything that I've done, and, and um, she actually has, you know, vocally answered them yes over a recording before to that question. Something I didn't tell you is I do feel an energy with that one in the very, very back. Somehow I know that it's her 
<clears throat> along with the rose perfume, but it's not only the rose perfume, it's like there's a different energy when she's around me. It's kind of like um, familiarity, if that makes sense, that I know that she's the one there, um, whether I smell the perfume or not. You know, in her back area back there, there's a storage um, with the door, and there is a radio that stays on back there. So I may try and see if I can find some parlor sitting music back there just for that back storage area and leave it on overnight. So I will start saying good morning um, since I only say good night. But, yeah, I never validate their... Um, occupancy in the store in the morning it's always at night so um, I'll make sure and do that as Jeff closed shop I asked if I could follow him during his routine when we made it to the upstairs back closet where the female spirit seems to reside I watched Jeff turn on the radio then search for a new station Although this case ended without any shocking evidence or validation, it definitely felt like a unique case where we brought a few things to light for Jeff in Old Town Buda Antique Mall. But before it was all said and done, I got to hear something very special that I'd like to share with you here at the close of this episode. In all the reports surrounding this shop, not a single one had come to me with someone having a full-bodied apparition sighting, in person that is. And unbeknownst to me, shortly after our visit, employee Jeannie got to see something quite special. Most recently, I actually have not told Justice. Um, I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. I was closing up the shop about two weeks ago, and I had forgotten my purse inside. I had grabbed everything, and, and for some reason I would forgotten my purse. And the alarm system was counting down for me. So I opened the door back up, and I ran back in. But as soon as I opened the door, I saw something, which you would picture in your peripheral vision, but it's kind of almost a blur. And in that blur, I saw a dark image, kind of like a gray, not black, but kind of a grayish image. And it appeared to be perhaps a lady in a dress with a high neck dress. I couldn't really tell a face or anything, but it seemed to be a tight-fitted sleeve, kind of puffy. What I would picture an old-time dress, like 1800s type dress. That's what I saw. I walked through because I obviously had to take the alarm off. And at that moment, I just said, hello. And then I got my purse and I locked everything back up after I reset the alarm. And I said, goodbye. But that, that was it. It didn't really scare me. It kind of startled me. But it, it wasn't like I was, I was frightened. That was my last experience there. You know, and that, that's the first time I've ever seen anything. With all the accounts and testimony laid out before me, it was honestly still very tough to piece this puzzle together. I realized that all my previous cases involved locations where the spirits appeared to be tied to the property. In those cases, I could track down the history and find corresponding information fairly easily. In this case, however, I was facing something entirely different. I have a theory now that antique shops are like train depots for the afterlife. Entities tied to objects from their past make a stop here, briefly, but are eventually transported elsewhere when a customer purchases the item and takes it home or to the next stop. But much like the depot here in Buda that was put in place many, many years ago, the passengers stopping by would sometimes stay for an hour, maybe a night or two, and perhaps some may have even fallen in love with Buda and decided to stay and plant roots here. But maybe what Jeff and Old Town Buda Antique Mall are experiencing is a melting pot of spirits passing through, not on a train, but with unique relics and objects, and some that come through eventually move on. Some may remain lost, and others may find themselves here with a new purpose, so they themselves plant new roots in this very building.
A reminder that we'll be taking a break in December, but we'll return in January with two episodes a month. Our first campfire episode featuring collected true ghost stories will release on January 14th, and a new investigative series episode will release on January 28th. Also, if you're a Night Owl patron who supports us on Patreon, you'll be given a special holiday gift in December to help you get through the holidays without an episode. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of the Night Owl Podcast. A special thank you goes out to Karen with God Haunts Paranormal and Rory with Phantasma Texas for sharing their stories and evidence for this episode. I'll have links to their websites in this episode's blog, along with behind-the-scenes photographs and evidence that they provided us. And I'd like to thank my team, Sarah, Alexis, and Franklin for going on these crazy adventures with me, Nicholas Fair and Petey Wilder for your talented musical contributions to the show, and my very supportive wife, Tao, for sticking with me all these late nights and long hours, and for taking amazing photographs on every case. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftworks Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. And to help keep this show going, and my team and I fed and caffeinated, please support us for as little as a dollar a month on our Patreon page. This contribution not only helps me keep this show alive, you gain access to a ton of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. So please visit patreon.com backslash the Night Owl Podcast and become a Night Owl patron today. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsors, the Spider House Cafe and Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to stop by the Spider House and try the new Night Owl drink. And don't forget, if you need t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl podcast and get 5% off your first order. Thank you all, and stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.